Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle. Thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com as well as the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. You can click subscribe and rate and review at the YouTube channel as well as wherever you listen to podcasts like uh, Good Pods, Apple, Google, Spotify. Um, that's that's Those are the main places you can find the podcast, but also the YouTube channel is a Great one for exclusive uh, quick take videos as well as uh, more interviews, and that is the Sonic Cinema Podcast. You can also check us out at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. Uh, patrons are finally going to get my uh, best scores of 2021 blog, uh, podcast uh, this month. It's been a long time coming, but I'm finally uh, ready to talk about that, and you can also get sneak previews of a film score that I wrote for Brian Ackley's Player PhD there. Uh, the album, that's film score, which uh, is is a fitting that we're going to talk about uh, film music and composition a little bit on this one. Uh, that one is going to be coming out uh, probably around August. It's going to be on Bandcamp, but you can check out some early uh, looks at, at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. So today's guest is one that I've wanted to have on the podcast since I first uh, was a guest on the Piecing It Together podcast that he hosts last year when we talked about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Then I also joined him for a discussion on Matt Reeves' The Batman earlier this year. And he is also, in addition to being a movie podcaster, he is actually a composer in his own right, as well as he's got a film, few film scores under his belt as well. Uh, please welcome to the podcast, David Rosen. Thank you very much, David. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is going to be a fun conversation for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny because of the fact that, like, when we first started to connect on Twitter, you know, last year was funny because of the fact that I, it's such a weird pipeline. The, po- you know, usually you have, of course, podcasters, you know, sometimes they try to do films and stuff like that. They try again to film. And it's like the idea that, like, I, there's another podcaster out there who talks about movies, but also has this other life as a composer is is really kind of fascinating to me. So the before we before we get started on that discussion on discussion about the the podcast and your work as a composer in general and how you got uh how you were inspired to get into that, where can people find you online? Yeah, there's a bunch of places, but I, I'll stick to the main two. Uh, PiecingPod.com is where you can find my podcast, Piecing It Together, and links to everything uh, you know revolving around that. And then my music is by DavidRosen.com, and uh, those are also my Twitter handles uh, for both of those particular things. So you can uh, find my music all over the place. You know, obviously iTunes and Spotify and all those kinds of things. My podcast on all the major podcast apps too. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I wanted to uh, talk about is piecing it together as a uh, former guest. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, I, I really enjoy the structure of the show. What was it that 
you know, and you've got a couple of other podcasts, and we can and feel free to uh, bring those up as well. But with piecing it together, what was the inspiration behind that concept of that type of movie podcast? Well, I I knew I didn't want to just be a movie review podcast. Like, there's so many good ones out there, and. I'm already was so busy at the time with all the various stuff I was involved with. And so I didn't need to just start a movie podcast just to start one. I wanted it to be its own thing and something different. And I was trying to think of ways that I generally like to talk about movies. And I do tend to talk about movies in a, this meets this meets this. And, uh, I, you know, I didn't want to call it the This Meets This podcast. And so I just started brainstorming on different uh, ways to take that and create a theme around it. And I ended up coming up with the whole puzzle pieces thing because I do like puzzles. And uh, so it all kind of just worked together in that way. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you, I, I think, you know, it, it's something that I really appreciate about another podcast that both of us have been on, uh, Binge Movies, which is this, it takes this simple idea of, how people discuss movies and makes that basically the structure of the show. And it really asks you to look at movies in a way that is both very intuitive to how we look at things. I mean, I know I've always, I know I've always looked at movies by you know, how is this movie compared to this movie? You know, mm -hmm. oh, this reminds me of this, and this reminds yeah. me of this. But at the same time, making it a bit deeper, and I know one of the things that when we were talking about Shang-Chi, like, we we had so many various uh, different inspirations for that. I mean, you, you know, and the fact that you brought up Star Wars, and I mean, I... I adore Star Wars, but for some reason that just was not on my radar in inspiration. But you think about it with regards to that movie, it makes sense. And then you brought video games, and we brought John Woo, Jackie Chan, and you know all of these different influences. That you know, it, it's it's funny how looking through looking at a movie through that context can really help you both appreciate it as well as think about it in terms of, well, so it's inspired by the, it feels like it's inspired by these movies. Does it hold up to what inspired it? And I right. think that's one of the things that I really took away, uh, especially thinking about the two movies that we did, Shang-Chi and the Batman. That was one of the things that really, uh, I, I, connected with when it came to thinking about those movies in that were in respect to how how the structure of your show works yeah and that was a thing like when i started the show i knew this but like especially after five years of doing it i i know it even more uh being inspired by something is not a bad thing and sometimes people will be like oh yeah there's no original ideas anymore like it's they're just doing you know whatever over again and it's like no they you know like it, everything even the stuff from back in the day was all inspired by something and it's just part of being creative is is uh you know synthesizing all of your your influences and putting it together into something new and so i think this is just uh you know celebrating that yeah no, and absolutely. I mean, and you know, you're you're absolutely right when you talk about it. it's like 
you know, there are no new people complain all the time about there are no new ideas, but the fact of the matter is, it's like that, like you said, that kind of goes like really, there are very few truly original ideas in movies going back yeah. to the Dawn movies. It's like it's all inspired by something, whether it's theater, whether it's whether it's uh, you know, story books, stories, you know, even. Even going back to the silent era, it's like you you see inspiration from different culture and different uh, you know different entertainments of the time feed into the movies that people were making. I mean, you know, look let's let's talk about Star Wars. The fact of the matter is, it's like that's not an original idea. It's like no, you know, yeah. George Lucas has been very upfront about the inspiration of Flash Gordon serials and. Kurosawa and that, and um, you know, Rares of Lost Ark. I mean, that was another one inspired by serials, you know, and you know, it, it, but you, I think part of the part of where that gets lost is the fact that you see movies come after seismic movies like that that just take the hint of, oh, this must be what audiences want, and they want the, and they think they want the surface. As opposed yeah, yeah. to what, well, what inspired the the whole idea is those films were inspired, were inspired new takes on movies that things that Lucas and Spielberg loved, not just oh we're going to do this adventure because of the fact that people want adventure now. Right, right. And and I, I feel like we're in a weird moment right now, you know, maybe thanks to like the cinema sins and all that kind of stuff where people are like trying to beat movies yeah. and, you know, they, they, <laughs> they like to like lord it over it that they, oh, I, I caught that inspiration. So obviously this movie's bad and I'm better than it. And that that does nothing like constructive that doesn't like help the situation, doesn't help your own enjoyment of anything. And it's like, I, again, it's like that. That's what I, I love about doing the show is finding those connections and celebrating those connections. Yeah, and well, I mean, in part of part of the biggest issue with Simmons is the idea that you know pointing out like things like continuity errors in films is means that oh, there's a continuity error that means it's bad. Well, <laughs> guess guess what? There are continuity errors in pretty much all of the great movies of all time. So absolutely what exactly are you going to be enjoying if you're all you're doing is nitpicking? But exactly. no, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, and I I know, you know, especially with and especially with the Batman, because of the fact that that was a super episode with like multiple people on there. It wasn't just you and I talking about the movie that really kind of challenged me to not only think about the film in terms of, well, what did I like about it, but why did I like this? And what mm. things seemed to inspire it? Like, we we talked about the score by Michael Giacchino. And, yeah. you know, the fact that it seemed, there were times where it seemed to be building off of stuff that Danny Elfman did and stuff that Hans Zimmer did in earlier iterations of Batman. And then you, you know, I... I was amazed that I wasn't the only one who brought The Godfather as a reference. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. You know, that that really kind of surprised me because of the fact that I understand why other people would see that because of the fact that, um, you know, it's a crime film and, you know, naturally there are going to be film... If you're making a crime film, fundamentally, chances are you're going to be inspired by 
the Godfather in one way or another, but it's like I love that both of us basically look at looked at it from a different perspective. And it's like yeah. I, when I thought about it, I was thinking of the world building. I was thinking about how big the film seemed versus how small the world really was. And mm. that's, I think, the thing that took me, that struck me so much about uh, what Matt Reeves seemed to be inspired by with The Godfather. And I mean, of course, you know, this isn't to say all of our puzzle pieces are going to be something that, oh, definitely the filmmaker had in mind. Sure. You know, we're sure. we're we're speculating. We're we're giving our own subjective opinions on this as far as this is what we see in the film as opposed to this is def- definitively what the filmmakers got in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And also I don't have like a PhD in film or something like that. So it's like it, it reminded me of it. They must have been inspired by it. You know, it's like it's close enough. But I mean, you know, and the thing is it's like you, you know, it it's one of those you know, working on a podcast like that and talking about, that's one of the things I love about talking with other people about movies, um, especially people like yourself and others whom I've shared the mic with because of the fact that it's like, I feel like I'm always going to get an interesting perspective on mm-hmm. film when I talk to, when I talk to people. And the ways, and they're obviously can bring their own perspectives to, you know, to films and make it in a way, and do it in a way that will make me think. And that's one of the things I love about uh, doing podcasting and one of the reasons I'm glad that I've, I got into it as opposed to just writing my own thoughts down. It's like, that's, that's entertaining and that's enriching in one way, but in another way, you do want to have that discussion. You do want want to have that debate, but you also don't want to have that be, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to disagree and, you know, talk shit about a movie because of the fact that I, I have a voice for it. It's like, I'd much rather have a mm. conversation, even if I disagree with the person, that makes me think, well, okay, so why do they feel that way versus how I feel about it? And I yeah. that that's one of the things that's just really wonderful about uh, this this medium and this platform. I agree absolutely. A conversation yeah. it's it's fun before, during, and after. Yeah. Um, what what are some of you know before we before we get into your music? What are what are some of you know? We're about halfway into the year. Now, uh, what are some of your favorite movies that you've seen this year? Well, we did just do a top 10 episode. And so I, I'll, I'll have to like refer back to that because that is, you know, definitely some of the best stuff that I've seen. Uh, my number one was Top Gun Maverick, which is a pretty big surprise to me considering I didn't exactly love the original (laughs) Top Gun, but it shouldn't have been a surprise because of how amazing Tom Cruise's recent, you know, output has been the mission impossible films and everything. It's just been so good. So it shouldn't really have been a surprise. Uh, Another definite surprise is Michael Bay's ambulance, which Mm -hmm. is just so ridiculous and so over the top. And, um, you know, I mean, that's what you would expect from him, but then you wouldn't expect it to necessarily all come together in a way that's like actually yeah. good. And it, it really is. It's great. Um, 
what else? Uh, Windfall was a, a nice little surprise on Netflix that I feel like not enough people liked or, or at least didn't see uh, as a little three-hander, just Jason Siegel, Jesse Plemons, and Lily Collins in a house. And it's like a little uh, kind of darkly comic single location thriller. Um, I really like that. Um, Beavis and Butthead was great. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just a 90-minute episode of Beavis and Butthead, but it's really, really good episode of Beavis and Butthead. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I would go go with that. Um, one that didn't make my list because I hadn't seen it yet. I just watched it this past week while I was at home sick with COVID. But uh, good luck to you, Leo Grand is yeah. really good. That, yeah, that, that, that's a really good one. Uh, my guest had brought it up on his top ten, and uh, so I went ahead and watched it. And yeah. Great, great movie. Um, there's been a lot of good stuff this year. Yeah, it's it really has been a strong year. I mean, you know, I mean, part of it is for me is I mean, I I've seen a lot of like I saw Leo Grand at uh, Sundance this year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, I I saw it very early on, but yeah, you're right. I mean, especially you know, it's like you brought up Top Gun and you brought up uh, Ambulance. This year, it feels like for action has been unusually good for Hollywood. Yeah, I agree. For I mean, even even in, especially if you include something like RRR, which mm-hmm. is just yeah. absolutely phenomenal. Um, oh, yeah. You know, you, you look at... And I, I actually just watched a uh, sniper war drama from uh, Ukraine today, Sniper uh, the White Raven, that Will, Will Go uh, USA just brought out. And, you know, that was one that I really respond to as well. Because, and it's interesting to see the way these filmmakers um, really lean into the action tropes and the typical mm-hmm. action formula, but the ways they push it in, in specific ways. And I, I think especially something like Top Gun do, did that with the fact that they they made the aerial sequences as spectacular as they did. I you know, there were some times where the drone cinematography was too much for me in ambulance, but at the same time there are also moments in that movie where you could only get those shots with a drone and it just makes you go, Holy shit, this is absolutely insane. And I mean, yeah. you know, you're you're right about Bay, where it's like I'm I'm as hot and cold on Bay as anybody. But I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say Ambulance thoroughly enjoyed me. I, I was thoroughly entertained by Ambulance because of the fact that it really did seem like it kind of seemed like a stripped. It seemed like a return to like this stripped down type of Michael Bay that started out with like Bad Boys and The Rock. But stylistically, mm. the modern Michael Bay. Sure, sure. Yeah, all the tricks of, of what he can do now, but with some of the attention to detail of his earlier stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, it's, it's funny. I, you know, I'm on your uh, By David Rosen uh, website, and you, you've got other podcasts that you produce as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to see just how varied your, your interests are. And you also have awesome movie year where you guys, yeah. where you guys talk about like specific years and go through some of the big titles and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it's just really impressive 
it, it's really impressive just how much uh, how much you've been able to accomplish with uh, all of the different things that you have going on. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I I stay very busy. But yeah, Awesome Movie Year is starting its 12th season uh, this week, today actually, at the time of recording, uh, on the films of 1992. And like you said, yeah, every, every season is a different year in cinema. And uh, it's hosted by a film critic named Josh Bell and a filmmaker slash comedian named Jason Harris. And then I am the uh, producer of the show, although I appear on mic a little bit here and there as well. Um, but yeah, the, it's it's a really fun show and like a totally different format for talking about movies, you know, yeah. a totally different kind of show, but uh, also really fun to make. And uh, I have produced other podcasts as well. I actually just edited a podcast this week for for somebody, a first time client. So I, I I like producing and editing podcasts and hope to do more of it. Okay. Um. So with with that though, let's move on to use a composer because I mean, I know you know, and the first question I want to ask is, what led you to first of all, what led you into music? What led you into deciding that you wanted to compose music? I started off. Um, at, just as I was graduating high school, so a long, long, long time ago. <laughs> but but uh, I I was trying to basically emulate the uh, like industrial artists that I loved, the mm-hmm. uh, like uh, Nine Inch Nails and Ministry and, and Front Two Four Two and KMFDM, all that kind of stuff. Uh, were, were were the artists that I was trying to basically. Uh, just make music like just because I had I had heard that it was the kind of thing you can just do you know with a computer and I was a computer guy you know mm-hmm. I, I was big into computers and so it, whereas actual instruments were um, you know scary to me uh, messing around on a computer was not and so I was like I, I could maybe do this you know um, but at first it was much harder than I anticipated and it did not sound anything like the people that were inspiring me. Uh, and so I, I kind of went in these like weird tangents where first I, I ended up doing more like rap and hip hop stuff because it was like more accessible to me. And I, I was producing some rappers and uh, I did a, a bunch of different kinds of rap projects with, with those kind of tracks that I was making. Um, but then my stuff started getting more, you know, cinematic sounding and that led me at first I was just making it just to make it, but uh, eventually, you know, friends of friends or, you know, somebody would hear that I made music and they needed something. One thing led to another and I was scoring various short films and things like that. And, uh, and then my music started because of the work and because of like really pushing myself to do a good job on those projects, you know, my music started getting better and then I was able to start putting out these albums of instrumental music that are more in line with what I saw myself as when I first started Mm -hmm. yeah and it's it's always I I know from personal experiences in terms of my beginnings to uh compose and uh yeah I I completely understand the fact that it's like you know you 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 have this idea in your head of wanting to emulate some of the uh composers and musicians that inspired you but when you start to work through your own ideas it sounds like nothing that they would do (laughs) 
You know, yeah. I mean, I have, you know, it's funny because of the fact that I've got an album of, uh, that's essentially a Western. Uh, it's a musical Western. And it was inspired by like the Ennio Morricone spaghetti Western scores and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it really does, but if you listen to it, a lot of it sounds very much like traditional Western ideas. It's very little of it is inspired, sounds like Morricone. But, right, right. It it's yeah. funny when that happens. Like it, it sometimes it becomes like happy accidents where it's like, you know, I swear I was trying to sound like nine inch nails on this song, but somehow <laughs> it turned into this weird ambient, you know, thing that doesn't sound anything like them. And but at the same time, it's pretty cool. Like, you know, and it's like things just kind of work in their own direction. Um it, it's it's hard to say exactly how uh your inspiration will actually take you once you sit down. So, so you started after high school. Had you played an instrument? Had you studied music? Were you in band or anything like that? Not really. I, I had taken, you know, some piano lessons as a kid, and, and then I took some private guitar lessons at one point uh, in high school, mm-hmm. but nothing where I was, you know, able to play live or anything like that, you know, just playing around on keys and playing or strumming around on the guitar. Um, and nothing where I was ever like in a band or anything like that. It was just, mm-hmm. uh, it was just very basic knowledge, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, and that's, that's the thing that's kind of interesting about music nowadays. I mean, especially, especially with the technology that we've had for the past 20, 30 years now, where it's like, it does, to a certain extent, it does make it easier for, non-musicians or at least non-practicing musicians to get Mm -hmm. into music and try to create music themselves. But at the same time, I I think having that base, at least a very basic sense of music and performance and what that goes into that, even if you've never performed live, I think it's definitely important to be able to, to be able to, have under your belt to really start to build yourself as a composer and as a musician. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there has to be somewhere where all that stuff comes from, you know, not, you you don't want to end up just being the guy that's just like, "Eh, it sounds cool. And that's the only reason I'm putting these particular notes and sounds together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Grant, there are times where I do that as well, but, you know, one of the things, there, there are, you know, for me, I know for me, I've, there, there are times where I will be very methodical and very much writing out everything, you know, either putting pen to paper, pencil to paper, or putting in my uh, notation software, or, but there are also times where I am more improvisation and just sort of going off of a feel that I have for oh, what sure. a piece should sound like. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I, but at the same time, it's like, then I know my musicianship comes in, and my experience performing trombone and being in band and, you know, being in ensembles comes into where it's like, I'm thinking back on uh, what, a piece should sound like. And it's like, if you listen to my music, it even a lot of the really hard electronic stuff does 
sound very classically inspired. Like you can tell <clears> that <throat> you can tell that the idea is there as far as the uh, the you know sort of a classical tradition of musicianship and the way the performance plays out. Yeah, you know, to, to this point, um, one of my favorite composers is Clint Mansell. And uh, I, I got a chance to meet him. Um, this was like 10 years ago or something like that at, at a, uh, a BMI music like expo thing. And, uh, you know, one of the most inspiring things that he said uh, when I met him is that he's not classically trained. Yeah. And when you, th- when you think of Clint Mansell's music, it just sounds so beautiful and lush and like, mm. you know, just awesome. And like, you're like, Oh, that's just awesome. Like, you know, he's just <laughs> making music that sounds right, you yeah. know, and it, it doesn't matter uh, how it's made. It matters what ends up being made from it. Yeah, I mean, I I adore Clint Mansell as a composer. I mean, going all the way back to Pi, and you know, mm-hmm. I I know like for Pi, Pi came out like right around the time that I started to compose music myself, and so and because of the fact that so much of it is electronic, what he was able to do with very simple synthesized sounds, and is is just remarkable in that film. You know, it's it goes well with some of the songs that Aaron Aronofsky does in that, but at the same time, it has its own personality, and but it also gets to as as static as it sounds, as monotonous as it sounds, it also gets to the emotional uh, energy of that film, to yeah. where when the next big jump for him is something like Requiem for a Dream with Aronofsky, it's not surprising at all. And it still has that, it still has that, um, it still has that feel, but it's drastically different. You can kind of hear him starting to get more into a classical sound. And then I, I, his score for The Fountain is one of my all-time favorite soundtracks of all time. I I absolutely adore that score. But in yeah. that just, you know, it's one of those things where the evolution between those three scores, but at the same time, it makes all the sense in the world that those three scores are all from the same artist. Right, right. Absolutely. Who who are some, I mean, you, you mentioned some of the uh, artists that you uh, were inspired by and wanted to try to sound like uh, when you came out. Uh, when you first started to make music, now that you are now that you've kind of settled into your own sound, even when you in in especially when you are thinking about film music and mm-hmm. working off film, are there any particular composers that stand out to you as somebody that you uh, you're inspired by? Well. Uh... I mean, first of all, you know, with all my music, I'm always kind of chasing the cure and Depeche mode. They're my biggest inspirations, <laughs> really, when it comes to everything I do. But uh, as far as like actual uh, film music composers, I mean, of course, Nine Inch Nails, you know, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, of course. But uh, I, I also um, really love Ben Salisbury and Jeff Barrow's work and, you know, uh, Ex Machina and mm-hmm. all, all of those films with Alex Garland. Um, I, you know, Michael Giacchino's 
amazing. Nicholas Bratel uh, is one of the best doing it right now. Um, that if Beale Street could talk score is oh, just God. incredible. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I do tend to work in a lot of like horror and like darker stuff like that. But when I get the opportunities to, you know, do more drama type stuff, um, you know, definitely that's in mind when I'm, when I'm working on those kinds of things. Um, Bear McCreary is awesome too. Yeah. Uh, you know, talking about like blending like new style with more classic style. I mean, that, that, that really kind of, uh, you know, combines the best of both worlds. Yeah. No, McCreary is somebody who I, I think kind of gets lost in the conversation, but the fact is it's like, he's, he's been such a stalwart as far as uh, TV more so than movies for, for a long time. I mean, uh, some some friends of mine are uh, were watching uh, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica in, from the aughts, and he mm-hmm. he scored that. And we've been watching Outlander together, which is him as well. And then of course there's The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. but he also did like Agents of Shield at the beginning, and he also did Godzilla King of the Monsters. And yeah, he he's somebody who I I love. I love, he's somebody who, he, he's an example of, a, he's a great example of a composer who's very much a chameleon, who can yeah. go from genre to genre, from type of show to type of, to, to different types of shows, even within the same genre, and do something very different and, and very unique in both of them. And it's, yeah. it's really, it's really something. You know who else I think is that way is Lauren Balfe. Um, yeah. Also somebody who just, yeah, kind of kind of uh, takes ideas that I, I would associate with other composers maybe, but does them so damn well whenever whenever he steps up and, and scores something. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, you know, it's funny. Uh, Darren Lundberg and I, uh, we, we were just talking about uh, Hans Zimmer on the last episode of the podcast. And, uh, you know, Balf is part of that remote control family, along with other composers like Raman Jawadi and Harry Gregson-Williams back in the day and John Powell. And, you know, I, I think that's a lot of that does come from Zimmer and how he approaches films, you know, film music in a lot of ways. And, uh, but yeah, he, he's, he's really impressed me with his work for Top Gun Maverick, for... Mission Impossible Fallout. I I really am looking forward to seeing uh and I mean even Black Widow which was which was a fine movie but and you know it it wasn't one of his best scores but at the same time it, there were there's still some interesting things in that score too. Um yeah. you know but uh yeah I I yeah I mean and those are those are some great examples of composers right there and uh you know, it's it's uh, it's it's just really <clears throat> it's really interesting to kind of get to know composers through the film f- through the inspirations that they have and um, all the varied inspirations that they have. Um, if mm-hmm. somebody was to if somebody was to um, Wanting to get started in listening to your music, where would be? Is there a particular place that you think would be a good place to start? I mean, 
I don't want to give uh, Spotify any extra streams, but all my <laughs> stuff is there. So, uh, but there, there's also my, uh, if you just want to know about my uh composing work specifically uh, I have a I have a reel on my website which has clips from some of the best stuff that I've worked on in the last few years I, it it was made in 2020 so it was a couple years old at this point um but I think has like a really good uh mix of the kind of stuff I've done but my albums you know uh they're all I think representative of of what I've been able to do I, I think my most recent full-length album which is just self-titled it's called David Rosen uh is probably my best album but at the same time I think they all have stuff that Mm -hmm. you know I think really represents me well and uh yeah yeah I mean I I haven't gone I haven't gotten that deep into listening to your music just yet but I mean why have I've I've really just enjoyed listening to and I mean part Mm -hmm. of it is because of the fact that stylistically it's the type of stuff that I've really gravitated towards over the years uh, in terms of electronica and, you know, techno to a certain extent, but I mean more soundscapes and more just that type of idea. And I I definitely am really, I I definitely am looking forward to getting into more and more over over the uh, coming weeks and months and just keeping keeping up with your work over the coming years yeah defining genre is so difficult nowadays especially (laughs) for a composer like me uh you know it's it's film score inspired new age alternative electronica industrial rock yeah stuff like it's just it's (laughs) all all of the above you know Mm, yeah (laughs) uh it's yeah and it's it's a yeah and it's you know i mean that that is one of the hardest things it's like i i would have said like Electronica, ambient, new age, uh, all that. Oh, stuff. I left out ambient. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it. you know, it <laughs> soundscapes, but yeah, I mean, a lot of it is infused by film music, and you know, mainly because film music is my favorite genre to listen to. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely definitely check out David's stuff. It's really really wonderful. Um, what is you know, and you you have talked about you you did talk a little bit you you touched on the fact that you've worked on short films and stuff like that um is there a particular is, is there a particular type of story that when somebody approaches you about doing music for their film that you find yourself gravitating towards or are you just interested in the opportunity of scoring a film I'm interested in all different kinds of stories for sure. And, uh, and that really allows me to, you know, flex my abilities and, and try new things. Um, I do tend to gravitate towards darker stuff, whether that means like a dark drama or a horror movie or a thriller or just something weird. Um, like dark is kind of my, my natural place (laughs) to work on music. Um, so it, it all kind of, that's usually my number one note is, uh, ease up on the darkness a little bit, Dave, you know, um, that's the number one thing, but, uh, you know, luckily the majority of what I've gotten a chance to work on has been like that. And yeah, I've worked on, um, God, like, 30 or more short films and about eight features now um as well as games and commercials and tv and a bunch of other stuff too what is 
so so uh, for for games, what is the what because of how different of an aesthetic and how different of a storytelling medium video games are to games are to film? What is the what is the what are some of the differences in approaching a game versus approaching a film? Well, I haven't done one in a while, um, but when the games that I have worked on, like the biggest difference is, you know, that for the most part, you're dealing with either loop-based stuff or things with stems that um, the programmers can kind of make come in and out as needed. Um, so like, obviously loops are self-explanatory, you know, it's just stuff that could be looped very easily. But, um, some of, some of the game projects that I worked on would have like, where I would, when I was finished, I would export things in various layers and that way it could be triggered where like, oh, there's a bad guy nearby. So the base is going to come in, um, you know, and, and that would like layer in, uh, organically as, as it's mm -hmm. happening. And so thinking about things like that, you know, it, it's definitely a different kind of experience. And there are more things that you have to think about other than make a good piece of music that fits this project. It, you have to think about more of those kind of aspects as well. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, you know, it's, I, yeah, I mean, I've only done a couple of shorts and I just finished locking my uh, first feature score. And it's funny because of the fact that you you said you you tend to gravitate towards uh, kind of the dark side musically speaking. I I kind of am more on the serious side as well. And it's funny because my first feature film score is for a romantic comedy, which is <laughs> a completely different transition. But at the same time, I was I I wanted to I I took it because of the fact that a I've been a big fan of the filmmaker over the years. Uh, as a film critic, I've respected his work and really enjoyed his work, but also it was something different. It was and it it was an opportunity to challenge myself into doing something a bit lighter. And mm. but also, you know, following in those some of those musical instincts that I try to do. And uh, you know, it was it was there were, you know, and I'm I'm gonna write about it and stuff like that on my own, but it was such a challenge because of the fact that it's like, you know, I mean, there are only, there are some things that you associate with comedy in terms of comedy scores. You don't want to lean on them too much, but at the same time, it's like, well, how far can you go with getting away from them? And, yeah. uh, you know, but ultimately it's all about the heart. It's all about telling the story and getting to the heart of the story. So that is, that's, that's one of the things that's ultimately all that matters. And if your score yeah. can do that, that's, that's, that's the most important thing. I had an interesting experience uh, recently. The, the feature that I just scored uh, a month ago, uh, it's called move me no mountain. And uh, I just had its first premiere screening and uh, it's now going to be doing the festival run and all that. And hopefully people will be able to see it soon. Uh, but what we did on this film is actually, um, aside from like songs, because there are some like songs sourced that are, are played in, in the film as well, mm -hmm. um, but it's actually the composing duties were split. Um, and I'm scoring all of the current scenes in the, like, like the, uh, uh, 
non-flashback scenes, like the uh, actual time scenes in the movie. And then the other composer was scoring the flashbacks. Uh, and we actually know each other, me and the composer, Travis Lohman, uh, here in Las Vegas. And um, it was an interesting thing to not only to collaborate with another composer, which I've never really had to do and just never have done, um, but, you know, just usually that's not the case when scoring films, you know? And yeah. um, the the interesting thing was, like, because those flashback scenes that Travis was scoring were just, like, 100% melodic piano-based, and, like, that was the sound that the director wanted for those flashbacks, anytime my score would get a little bit melodic, the director would be like, I, I'm loving it, but can we maybe lose some of that melody so it doesn't <laughs> blend in with what Travis is doing? And that was, like, an interesting... Uh, you know, uh, I guess what would the word be like, um, restriction, I yeah. guess to, to what I was doing, you know, it's like, you know, even though it's a drama and it's a pretty heavy drama, um, you know, you, you kind of can't pull on the heartstrings too much because you can't bring in any melody. Right. Um, so, you know, it's just, it, it's a great experience though, because it's trying new things. It's, uh, you know, doing things in a different way. Yeah. That's, that, that does sound fascinating. It's like the idea of, um, I mean, you know, there there are certainly scores that don't rely on melody as much, but at the same time, it it's it's interesting. It, it's interesting that you have that experience where it's like somebody else is essentially taking care of the melodic aspect, and like you you kind of have to keep yourself from going in that direction. Which I I think as a musician is is cert, as a composer is the natural way we're we automatically start thinking about themes and melodies. And, yeah. You know, how is, so what is that going to look like if you kind of take that way to a certain extent and how are you going to tie that together? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I'm very happy with how it all, you know, ended up working out and uh, I, I'm looking forward to people getting to see the film, but um, yeah, it's definitely a, a little bit of a different experience. You know, all these, I mean, I've, I've been doing this now over 15 years, um, really close to 20. Uh, mm. and so <laughs> it, this, this far on doing something like so differently, uh, it was an interesting experience. I can definitely imagine. Um, well, uh, David, thank you very much for your time today. I'm glad we were finally able to, uh, have you on the podcast because I have been interested to talk to you both as a fellow podcaster as well as a fellow composer. Um, yeah. and, uh, where where can people uh just uh reiterate uh where can people find you online sure well uh first of all thank you again for for having me on this was great um people can find piecing it together and the other podcasts wherever they listen to podcasts all the major podcast apps and at piecingpod.com which also has links to all the other podcasts I'm in, involved with and uh, my music is by davidrosen.com. Uh, you can check out my albums. They're under my name, David Rosen, on all the streaming services. And uh, I will be putting out a new single in a couple of weeks here. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And a new album probably by the end of the year. Excellent. Sounds good. Um, and I will definitely be looking forward to that. It's been, it's been, it's been great seeing your uh, updates on Twitter about... Uh, you know, creating some of the new music and it's like, okay, I've got the beginning and I've got the end. Now what's in the middle? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, 
it's interesting how some of that sometimes that's the case when it comes to uh creating music but uh no david thank you very much for joining me and uh i i look forward to uh talking to you again absolutely thanks so much for having me I'd like to thank David for joining me on the episode tonight. It was uh, really great to talk to him finally on the podcast. And uh, check out uh, Piecing It Together and his other podcasts. And uh, you can especially check out his music. Like I said, what I've listened to, I've really enjoyed. And I'm looking forward to uh, digging deeper into it. That's going to be it for this episode of the Sonics of My Podcast. I've got a really interesting lineup for the rest of the year. Gonna have a lot of return guests, a lot of interesting topics, and a lot of filmmakers that we're gonna be discussing for the first time. I'm looking forward to that. I uh, once again check out Sonic Cinema Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out uh, Bandcamp for my score for Player PhD, as well as uh, just in general for my movie reviews. Uh, www.sonic-cinema.com. Thank you very much. Thank you.